his karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt. Hi-ya! And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. But with the 3% annual percentage yield you can earn on a PenFed premium online savings account, your goal of supporting his dreams, thanks for everything, mom and dad, will always be worth it. Apply today at PenFed.org savings. Federally insured by NCUA. $5 minimum to open account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed. PenFed's got great rates for everyone. Welcome to Face Connecticut, an in-depth look at today's issues. Good morning and welcome to another edition of Face Connecticut on WTIC News Talk 1080, WTIC-FM and WTIC.com. Aaron Kupek with you this Sunday morning and we are pleased to be joined by Robert Kinney. He is an outreach services librarian at the State Library in Hartford. Good morning to you, sir. Good morning. Thanks for joining us. I'm thinking some people may not know all the services that the State Library offers, so let's start there. There are some ways that you're similar to a municipal library and other ways you're not. Yes, we we have a lot of services to the patrons um, in the state of Connecticut, of course. Uh, One of the things that we have is the Connecticut State Archives, um, which we've acquired historical records from three three branches of Connecticut government ever since 1855. And the interesting fact about that is that the archives contains more than 32,000 cubic feet of, um, of records, and that's a vast amount of records that we contain. Um, we also have government information. Uh, the State Library is a regional federal depository, um, as well as Connecticut State Depository, and we have an extensive collection of government records and publications supporting uh, public policy and materials. Talk about the roots of the State Library. At one time, Connecticut had dual state capitals in Hartford and New Haven, and as government went on and and got larger, they produced more records, and I'm assuming they figured out we need a place, a central location to archive all these records. Yes, yes. Actually, the Connecticut State Library started in 1854. Um, uh, Prior to that, uh, the records were pretty much scattered. There were some records that were housed in the Capitol. There were some records housed in New Haven and also in the, in the old State House. And uh, James Trumbull is credited for being the first state librarian um, in the state of Connecticut. And it wasn't until 1910 when George Goddard became the state librarian and he gathered all of the materials and he had a vision to build a facility on 231 Capitol Avenue and to house all of these collections and to bring them together to which is now the Connecticut State Library. So in some ways, you're like Connecticut's version of the Library of Congress. In a sense, yes, yes, yes. You can, you can say that. You share a facility with the state Supreme Court. With the Supreme Court, yes, yes. We, we're on, I would like to tell people, when you're facing the building, we're on the left side of the building, and the Supreme Court is on the right side of the building. And we're divided by the History of Connecticut Museum, which is in the center of the facility. So when you talk about all the records of state government over the years, give us an idea of what some of those items include. The Office of Public Records Administrator, which we we create record retention schedules for the state and local government, and um, we supervise the destruction of a lot of these public records um, that some of the local government facilities have. But we house a lot of uh, government papers and a lot of... um, government um, documents in our Van Block facility, which we keep um, them there for a while. And I believe we have the signature of every uh, U.S. president, maybe up until President Obama, on some type of legal document 
wow. um, housed in the facility. So your main facility is across the street from the Capitol, but you have two others. You have the Van Block facility, which is largely an archive, and then you have uh, a facility for the blind and physically handicapped. Yes, yes. We have the Library for the Blind and Physically Handicapped, which is a network member of the Library of Congress and National Library Service for the Blind and Physically Handicapped. And that facility is responsible for basically lending out uh, materials um, recorded in in digital format and playback equipment materials in Braille for for the public. What's the profile of the average visitor to the State Library? Are we talking lawyers? Are we talking maybe researchers, college students doing projects? Who visits? We get a pretty um, wide variety of visitors um, because we do have the law library that's there. And so we get people who will come in and do legal research in, in that part of the building. And we also have the history and genealogy department where we have people who will come in and do uh, extensive research um, looking through our um, genealogical records, uh, Bible uh, records, church records, and things that we have there as well. And of course we get students who come in to do um, basically all types of research. The genealogical records, that's something that has really taken off in recent years. I'm, I'm gathering you're, you're getting uh, folks from, from all over trying to, to research their roots. Yes, yes. We get a lot of people coming in, and, um, and we get a lot of amazing stories, people using our records to, to do research to find their ancestries, um, looking at a lot of our, um, our, our, our whether it be photographs, uh, church records, um, a lot of, a vast amount of information people have access to when they come into our um, local history and genealogy department. How does the state library acquire some of those records? Because I think government records, but church records are, are kind of, of separate. Is it just something that has been collected over the years? I think a combination of both. Um, it's been things that have been collected over the years, and then we get people who, who amazingly will donate um, a lot of records and information to the um, the history and genealogy department into the state library, and of course we're a depository, so we receive a lot of records that um, people may want to disperse of or get rid of. Do you have to be kind of selective? Because you know, I'm thinking people may be cleaning out their attics and thinking they have a treasure, but in the grander scheme of things, it might not be something the state is interested in holding on to. Yeah, yeah, we we, we do have to be somewhat selective. Um, some of the materials, if it's things that um, that's uh, that we probably wouldn't be able to to use um, or, or really um, I wouldn't say worth preserving, but something that's that's geared towards the history aspect of the state. Um, yeah, we do have there is some there is a line there that we have to to maintain. When you think about libraries, you think largely about paper records, maybe digital records, but the state library is more than that. You're also a museum. Yes, we we have the the, the Connecticut Museum of History there, um, which we house a lot of artifacts, and that museum is basically um, geared towards the industrial complex of the state of Connecticut. So we have the cult collection, um, we have um, a collection from World War One that's housed in there, and also we have um, uh, the quilt display. So there are a lot of things that are in the um, in the museum that uh, that are that are pretty neat. You also have portraits of all the former governors. Of all the former governors, yes, yes. That's the first thing that you'll notice when you walk into the museum is that you'll see that the the hall is lined with um, portraits of of the governors. Do you have a, a favorite archive or artifact that's on display at the state library? I do have a favorite artifact. However, it's not on display at 
the library is housed in our van block facility. Ah, so behind the scenes. <laughs> yes, 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 I do. We have an, uh, an actual uh, rocking chair from um, Abe that was in the Lincoln administration that Lincoln had in the White House. And we have that stored in the uh, Van Block facility. And and I recently, um, a couple years ago, I wrote a, an article about the chair, um, and just a little bit about how it ended up in Connecticut. But um, but yeah, that's probably one of my favorite uh, artifacts that we we have. Just to think that we have a piece of furniture that sat in the White House, and there are many more other cool and neat things that are there. But just, we have an actual piece of furniture that sat in the White House during one of the most turbulent times in this country. So tell us how a chair that was in the Lincoln administration ended up in Connecticut. A member of the Lincoln administration, of course, um, came into possession of the chair after um, he stayed on in the White House for um, after Lincoln was assassinated for a term. And he ended up bringing the chair back to Connecticut. Um, and that's how we ended up with the, with the chair. Fascinating. The items that you have archived in the, the Van Block facility, are there times when those are kind of rotated into the collection to, to change it up a bit at the State Library, or is what's on display there pretty static? Um, what's on display there currently is pretty, um, pretty static, I'd say, for now. Um, we're working towards um, perhaps rotating different collections in, in the museum, some of the things that we have housed at Van Block, where hopefully one day we'll be able to to rotate into the museum. I first visited the State Library when I was in fourth grade during the <laughs> the visit to the Capitol that I think most public schoolers in, in fourth grade uh, take. Uh, what's the reaction of, of people who visit and, and say, wow, I, I wasn't, I didn't really know how rich Connecticut's history was or that you had so many items on display here? Yeah, you, you pretty much said it. Um, the reaction that we get from a lot of people is, wow, we didn't know that you were here. Um, we didn't know that you had this vast amount of, of information that that available to to the public. And so people are pretty amazed that uh, the museum aspect of of the state library, some of the things that we have in the museum, and then um, the, the records that we we have as well. Um, people are pretty fascinated that we have these materials. Is there any admission charge? No, everything is free. It's free. Uh, the, the the public can come in at at any time. And uh, and uh, how large is your staff? And and give us an idea of the different roles that they. The, uh, the functions they carry out. Uh, we have um, a pretty large staff. I couldn't put a number on it, but um, there, there are a lot of functions that go on behind the scene. Dozens um, at least, it's safe to say? Oh, yeah, dozens. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. We have a lot of things that go on behind the scenes. Um, there, Of course, there's the administration part of the library that needs to to, to be ran. So we have a, a body of, of people working in that department. And we also have a body of people who are working in in, in the billing section. So there's a lot of behind-the-scenes work that, that, that takes place that keeps the library operational. You are listening to Face Connecticut. We are talking to Robert Kinney. He is Outreach Services Librarian at the Connecticut State Library in Hartford. Talk about some of the ways that the state library interfaces with local libraries. Uh, one of the things that we do is that we offer a... Um, we have grants to public libraries um, that come through the state libraries. 
and these are public library construction grants for libraries who are who have an interest in either building another or a newer library or in addition to their particular library or expanding space-wise. So we, we kind of look over those grants and kind of help public libraries along. Um, that's one of the main things that we, we, we do in, in terms of that. And um, we offer, of course, a lot of our free databases and things like that to, to the libraries throughout the state. And talk about some of the, the databases that you offer to libraries throughout the state and to residents. Yeah. Um, we have, of course, Research It CT, which is a free online resource service um, that we offer to, um, to the state and to schools and to everyone. Um, and, and within that database, you have access to journals and magazines and, and newspapers that are available online um, for, for the public and from uh, a lot of these materials are from from kindergarten all the way up until ac- academic um, libraries, and all types of users have access to those materials. And of course, we have some of our genealogical databases that are used in-house, um, such as Ancestry.com and, and a couple other databases as well. You talked about some of the uh, the interesting stories that that come out of people doing genealogical research at the library. Are there one or two that that stick out to you? I mean. People finding long, long lost relatives or a connection they didn't know existed, things like that. Um, I can't think of any stories that I've heard per se because I'm not really in that department um, on a regular basis. But I can tell you that using some of the databases um, that are available at the state library, I, I was able to look at some of um, my my history. Oh wow, um, history that I wasn't wasn't. Um, or didn't know, and that was available, and, and that was pretty impressive. What would you say is the best way to get started if someone has an interest in that? Ask questions. Um, the best way to start, I, I would say, is to, um, if you have an interest in looking for your looking up your family history, is to um, ask questions in terms of um, getting uh, stories from family members, um, family members who may have um, old Bibles or things that we may have information um, start to put together a story that you that you may be able to make sense of and um, then follow the steps from there um, go through the census and different uh, tools like that will help you kind of travel along and, and go back and look at your history one of the other programs the state library offers is the third Thursday program what is that the third Thursday program is a program that we have um, that of course we have every third Thursday of the month with the exception of the summer months and what we do is we give authors and um, historians and and people mainly in the state of Connecticut an opportunity to come in and to talk about whether it be their book or different things that are happening in the states or or different um, historical um, events that may have happened in the state and mainly it's for to discuss the the history of the state and to give people an audience um, an opportunity to to hear um, about different um, things that they may not have known about the state and so so give us an idea of what some of the the past uh, speakers have covered and if there are any events coming up that you want to plug I would assume at this point maybe April uh what what's on the agenda? Yeah, we have um we have a couple of things that are that are happening. Um, one of the last program that we did have um, was we had Mary Mahoney, who was a candidate, who is a candidate of history from the University of Connecticut, and she talked a little bit about um, 
her topic was prescribing from the bookshelf, Louise Sweet and Connecticut's role in the library war service. And that's kind of leading up to um, Connecticut's involvement in World War One and how a lot of the soldiers, um, what their patterns were in terms of reading books and what types of books they were reading and things that kind of helped them along while they were mainly in the hospitals and um, trying to get through the war. Um, our upcoming third Thursday is going to be, of course, April 19th, where we have um, Judge Michael Shea, who will give a talk on the Connecticut's Yankee Division, who fought during World War I at the Battle of Seshpray. And that will be um, coming up on the, the anniversary of that battle that took place in Europe. Wow. And these are all open to the public. And uh, what, what time is, is that happening on the 19th? Uh, our third Thursday program started at 12 o'clock. Um, they usually run from 12 o'clock to 1245. And, um, and, of course, we have question and answer session after that. And um, it's open to the public. It's free. So you can go over on your lunch hour if you want. Exactly. We, we call it our brown bag lunchtime series program. So that encourages people to bring their lunch to the program to, um, to eat their lunch and, and enjoy the, the program. For people who are interested in visiting the State Library, what advice do you have? When's the best time to go, and uh, what should they do when they get there? Do you have to make reservations if you want to be shown around the place? Um, you don't have to make reservations. Um, we do have tours. We have a museum curator who um, will give tours to those who would like to call ahead to get a really detailed tour. But I'm always there. So um, <laughs> I always say that if people come in, if they're interested in getting a tour of the library, I'm more than welcome to to give them a tour of the facility and um, there is they can come anytime um, we're open from uh, 9 a.m. To, to 5 a.m. and Saturday we're open from 9 to 2 so it's 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 free and you can come in anytime during those hours. When you're giving tours is there a, a particular uh, part of the tour that seems to uh, grasp visitors uh, strongest? I think probably the overall um, architecture of the building that pretty much grabs people and their experience in the museum that um, captivates people. And I always tell the story about, um, of course, the, the portraits and every governor um, will have their portrait on the wall. And of course, um, our next governor um, one day will have their portrait on the wall and how we're running out of space and we'll have to figure <laughs> out some kind of way to <laughs> accommodate all of our, um, all of our governors. But um, the museum pretty much um, pretty much um, is, 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 is a highlight for people coming into to the museum, into the library. How big a task is it to preserve maybe some of your, your older records and artifacts? You, you have experts who, who know the best way to, to make paper last and, and things like that, don't you? Yeah, it's, it's, it's quite a task, but we, we have um, in our Van Block facility, everything is, is temperature controlled and we keep it away and and acid-free materials, so do we make sure that a lot of materials um, do not disintegrate or fall apart. So there's a, a huge effort that takes place in our off-site facility to make sure that these documents are preserved and that they're, they're, they're well kept and so that they, um, they don't face any type of erosion or deterioration. You mentioned the, the construction grants and, and the State Library's role in that dealing with local libraries, but do you also serve as a resource to local libraries in, in other ways? If, if they need to know how to 
to preserve something or best way to display something? Do they they use you as a research a resource? They can, yes, um, especially if they have. Um documents and, and things of that nature and and I believe I mentioned earlier that um, that we have retention schedules for a lot of documents if they need to dispose of um, they tend to um, seek advice of course from the public from from the state library in terms of um, of the guidelines and, and getting rid of records and, and things of that nature when you talk about document disposal I, I picture a, a big shredding truck pulling up to the state library and you throwing reams and reams of paper in is, is that what happens or is that a little different than that no it's it's a little different different than that um, there's a careful process that takes place when we there is a point of of destroying records um there's a, a procedure that, that has to take place to to discard you studied library science that's how you uh you got into this this current role what what made you uh follow that path well um i think the first was my love of history. Um, my love of history kind of led me into um, library science. Um, I, I loved the, 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 the aspect of history of looking at your genealogical um, data and, and, and your, your, your history in terms of um, families. And, and that kind of just came together, being able to, to share that information with people and help people find um, that information pertaining to their families. And that kind of drew me into the, into the library field. When you think about, or at least when I think about library science, I think about, oh boy, the Dewey Decimal System. Is that something <laughs> you still use or not so much? There are a lot of things that are still in Dewey. Um, uh, the majority of libraries uh, use what we call LC classification, uh, Library Congress ca- classification. Um, but um, a lot of libraries are, have collections that were... Um, that were done in Dewey, and of course, these collections are still still around. But not so many card catalogs anymore. I'm guessing a lot of it is digitized. Huh? Yeah, a lot of things are digitized. Card catalogs are are um, are, I guess, furniture pieces now. <laughs> <laughs> Sought after sometimes. Yes, absolutely. Yes, yes. Going back to researchitct.org, give us an idea of some of the resources people can can access for free. Are we talking uh, like new, newspaper archives, things like that? Yeah. If you uh, are looking for a certain newspaper article um, or a certain subject that you may be researching, um, you, you'll have access to that article uh, in Research It, um, CT. And um, a lot of, um, of course, newspaper articles, magazine articles, as well journals, um, you have access to those online. So a lot of information that at one time was you would have to go to the library to physically pull off the shelf to look at, you have access right there at your computer. And so you can visit the library from the comfort of your own home. Exactly. <laughs> and do you have to have a library card to do that, or is most of that just free and just go to researchitct.org? Uh, it's free. It's free. You can access it. Go to our website and uh, go through our catalog, and you have access to uh, those materials right there. What else do people need to know about the State Library, things that we haven't covered yet you think is, are important to get out there? Um, one of the main things that I think people should know is that we're there. <laughs> we're there, and we also provide a lot to the public. Um, and, and one of the things that people, as we had mentioned earlier, um, when people come into the facilities, uh, when they leave, they always 
say that, you know, we did not know that you were here. We did not know that you had all these records that were available to us at our fingertips. We didn't know that you had this this um, vast amount of information pertaining to history and genealogy. So I would encourage you to stop by and, and take a look and see what we do have. And I'm quite sure you'll be amazed. He is Robert Kinney, Outreach Services Librarian at the State Library in Hartford on Capitol Avenue. Check it out if you haven't. Thanks so much for joining us this morning. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Face Connecticut. I'm Aaron Kupek. Enjoy the balance of your weekend. Face Connecticut is a production of the News and Public Affairs Department of WTIC Radio. His karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt. Hi-ya! And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. But with the 3% annual percentage yield you can earn on a PenFed premium online savings account, your goal of supporting his dreams... Thanks for everything, Mom and Dad. ...will always be worth it. Apply today at PenFed.org savings. Federally insured by NCUA. $5 minimum to open account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed. PenFed's got great rates for everyone.